Hey listeners, I'm Robbie, and this is The Breakdown. This week, I am super excited to bring you my conversation with actor, director, and producer Dan Amboyer. On TV, Dan is best known for his work on Darren Star's Younger, as well as NBC's The Blacklist, Redemption, CW's Tell Me a Story, and for playing Prince William in William and Catherine, A Royal Romance, in addition to various episodic shows like Hawaii Five-0, Blue Bloods, and Inside Amy Schumer. Film credits include Overlook, Love the Coopers, Batman vs. Superman, among many others. On stage, he's led world premiere productions by A.R. Gurney and David Ives from New York City to literally all over the country, like the Old Globe and the Shakespeare Theater of D.C. and the Utah Shakespeare Festival. He recently directed the award-winning premiere of Whirlwind Off-Broadway. He's currently in post-production for the film Egg Party, which he is also producing. During the COVID-19 pandemic, Dan and two of his classmates from Carnegie Mellon founded the organization The Clear Day Project, which provides healing theatrical art to 42 thousand medical first responders in the Mount Sinai healthcare system. That's incredible. Listeners, Dan is the real deal. He's incredibly talented and successful and has done so many things, but he's also super smart and passionate and dedicated and generous with his time and perspective. We talk about so many exciting things like, what do you do when you first got out of school? What did he do when he got out of Carnegie Mellon? Yes, he had representation, but there's so many other important things that you can do to help your career. And all of those things really led him to the television and all of the exciting things that he's done. We also talk about shaping a resume, which is an interesting thing we kind of haven't talked about on the podcast before, but once you have a larger amount of credits, you know, what kind of things do you put at the top of your resume? What kind of things do you take off your resume to really give a clear picture to creative teams? It can be something frustrating because you should be able to do everything, but sometimes you just really want to tell a clear picture on your resume of what you do and the kind of work that you really want to be considered for. But maybe most importantly, we talk about being an out gay actor in this business. And it's a fantastic conversation that we have that obviously I can relate to, but I think it's important to listen to not just if you're LGBT, but also if you're just a minority actor in this business and just how embracing who you are can help the work, help you, but also it's a authentic, truthful place to live. And I'm so, so happy that we got to talk about it. So without further ado, here's my conversation with the incredibly articulate, wonderful, passionate, talented Dan Amboyer. All right, I am uh, sitting, not, I'm not sitting here with you, Dan, but I am sitting here watching you, wishing that we were sitting in the same room. <laughs> Dan and I first met in 2012. I went to go get my graduate degree at the Old Globe and Dan was in a show at, you were in several shows that summer at the Old Globe. Yeah, yeah. And then we've just like kind of kept coming in and out of each other's lives. Like we keep running into each other or being in the similar circles. And um, I'm so happy about that. Yeah, I, I was actually thinking this morning. It was funny. Um, I think you introduced me. This was this also dates. This is very much of the period, 2012. But I remember for whatever reason, I think you might have been visiting before you started, or you you came to San Diego and were getting adjusted to the apartments. Oh like, yeah, I like, was visiting. Yes. Okay, but we were walking together down the street somewhere, and you were telling me about Sia. And she just had like <laughs> titanium or something come out. And you're like, have you heard this? Like, do you know this person? And and you introduced me, I think, to Sia. So <laughs> I credit you with that introduction. And um, that's my first memory of you. <laughs> that sounds like, I don't remember that conversation, but it sounds like something that I would say because I very much should have gotten a job as Sia's publicist. Really? Were, were you a big Sia? Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. And especially then like titanium, it just come out. And I think we were walking home like after the show and after show some night, like, and I just remember going and downloading them on my Spotify list or something and being like, Oh wow. <laughs> I like her. So good. So good. Totally sets like a moment in time. Like when yeah. that was. <laughs> yeah. That's so we were very time. young. We were very, very young. And we still are. Very young. 
Not two berries, just one very young. <laughs> yeah. Well, when I think of like people that I want to have on the podcast and like who I want to hear stories from and perspectives from, like, you know, you were someone like very early on that I like threw on an Excel sheet and was like, I want to talk to Dan about what he's been doing in this business because I think you've been doing it so well. And it's been fun for me to watch since since that SIA conversation and watch like all the different <laughs> things you do in the business and you like do so many different things. And I think that's so important and something that we kind of like haven't really talked so much about with other people that have been on the podcast. So I am uh, couldn't be couldn't think of a more kind of like perfect guest uh, like as an actor to to have on the podcast. So thank you so much for chatting with me over Zoom today. I'm thrilled to be here. And that's very, very kind of you to say. Thank you. Totally. So usually I like to start talking about like what you're up to now, like what your life looks like <laughs> currently and today. But for the last like, I don't know how many episodes I've done, like since the pandemic, it's like, well, people are literally up to like baking sourdough bread. And like, that's totally fine because I'm also making sourdough bread. Yeah, You are also a new father, which mm. congratulations. I mean, that is just so exciting. And thank you must put so much in perspective about the business. You know, the business hasn't been happening so much since you've become a father, but I just imagine that it's probably changed a little bit your perspective on what this all means, what's important in life and, you know, that that kind of thing. Oh, for sure. And uh, it's interesting because he was born in December. And so, uh, you know, when this all happened in the first, you know, two weeks of of March, um, he was very young. And so he's been basically raised as, you know, a, a quarantine baby, uh, <laughs> which will make for very interesting stories, you know, when he's a bit older, but, um, it's actually turned into a bit of a, a blessing for our family, uh, in that I really was hoping to take time off, you know, from, um, at least a couple months anyway, mm -hmm. uh, to be able to really have that bonding time and to really be very much, um, you know, boots on the ground and doing, I didn't want to have like a nanny or any, anything like that. So I wanted to have all those experiences of waking up, you know, in the middle of the night, you know, five times. And I wanted to really do all that. So having, um, our business completely just evaporate, you know, actually turned out to be a bit of a blessing that, you know, I really could do that and didn't feel, pulled to make, you know, five, 10 self tapes in a week and just be, you know, have my mind be somewhere else, even if, you know, I was holding him in the middle of the night. So, uh, it's, uh, it's the only time I think for probably most of us that we've ever really stopped and, um, got to fully soak in what was around us and things that can make us happy outside the business. Totally. Absolutely. And I think that will, will be fun and, um, and interesting that I've talked to some people about is like how we take that perspective and that like stopping and the things that we learn and like listen when we when we stop and how we bring that, you know, back into our lives once like the train starts going again, because it will and it will be hard to like bring in some of the things that we are thinking about now. But it will be important, I think, to to use this time. For sure. Uh, even before uh, my son's name is Theodore, we call him Teddy. Uh, so sweet. <laughs> before he was, yeah, um, before he was even born, I mean, it was very much a conversation I'd have with myself and with my husband, Eric, about, you know, the kind of work that I would be kind of going for in the future. And so I, I kind of, you know, had those changes in mind, but this has definitely cemented that. And, you know, I, I haven't been away from him in, uh, I can't, you know, I haven't left the house, been away from him, like, you know, and basically uh, six months. So it's really hard to imagine going and, you know, doing something that I wasn't really in love with and passionate about on the other side of the country and missing all those little incremental developments and um, changes that I see in him mm. now uh, day by day. So, yeah, it definitely has put a, um, a different lens on work and moving forward once we get out of this. How, I guess, if anything, like the tapes you're making and the interaction that you're having with your representation, like how has that 
changed at all? Like, obviously, probably like the auditions stopped for a time and now stuff is happening again and you're making tapes and like, you know, are are these like for projects that like have definitive start dates or I don't know, just that's kind of like an all encompassing question is like, what, how, how is the landscape changing like already? Yeah, it was for a while. I don't know. Maybe I'd be curious about your experience too. But for a while, it seemed like uh, people were just trudging on. Like uh, this might just be a momentary lapse, and we'll just keep casting things as if though you know this will be over in a couple of weeks. Um, but we'll have everything ready to go. Uh, and then that whole phase just kind of stopped for me at least, and it was just dial tone for um, a while. But it's kind of picked back up at least with it's interesting, like pilots and stuff happening. Uh, and some of, some of it, it's, it's always a bit funny to me because like I'll get a, a tape and it will be, um, Hey, can you get this back to us? You know, by in basically 24 hours. Uh, and it's for this multicam pilot, you know, that's, it's a comedy, you know, it's going to shoot before a live audience and, but we need back like by tomorrow at 6 PM end of day. And, and so you'll rush making this, but then I'm thinking like, really, when is this going to happen? Like, when are they going to be filming a multicam comedy, you know, in LA with a live audience yeah. or yeah, whatever. But uh, so it feels a little bit like they're hopeful to get things just kind of lined up again, but I don't really see definitive start dates attached to the stuff that um, I've been auditioning for, but I know some things have started to happen, you know, already, but those haven't come across my, uh, my desk as it were. Yet, <laughs> and like I never make, I never made um, self tapes for commercials before. I don't know if, if you've been doing that too, but that's been a whole new experience. <laughs> yeah, actually putting the time because usually you know commercials are feel like a little bit of like a lottery to me, and you know part of the appeal is that you don't have to put you know much thought into them. You just show up and do the thing. But now you actually have to go through and edit, and like they want you know three right. mini scenes, and the you know show your hands and all this stuff and you have to actually make all that happen on your own now, which is a lot more effort than I'm used to putting into for like the lotto, but it's, yes. but it's, it's fun. I'm, I'm really glad that, you know, that, that it seems at least commercially things uh, um, could be happening soon. <laughs> yeah. It definitely seems like that's happening more so, but also like you're saying, it's hard for me to find the motivation to like do like an exceptional commercial <laughs> self tape when, a, I just wonder like how it's even ever going to be filmed and B, like you said, commercials feel so much more of like a lottery or less of a sure thing or that I can even have like, there's no control over it. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. Like now, you know, I've got, I've had like a couple auditions for like Zoom plays or like things that are trying oh. to happen. Like, but it's hard. I'm, I'm having a hard time right now finding the motivation because I'm just I'm such an eternal optimist and I'm like, oh, everything is great and it will come back. And, but it's been hard to like take any of like, uh, you know, and I haven't been getting a lot of auditions, but it's been hard to take something seriously because you just don't know when it's going to happen or like if the project is even ever going to happen. Yeah. It's like an athlete, like dusting off my, like kind of like dusting off those muscles mm -hmm. is kind of like, puts me in my head about like, I just haven't been doing it a lot. You know, I have, and we stopped doing it for so long that, yeah, that it feels weird to kind of start doing it again. It like, I, I don't know. It's just my relationship, I guess, to what I'm doing is just a little yeah. different. So I feel differently about it. It's funny because, uh, I did, I did two zoom plays, um, back to back. And those were kind of wild experiences. I have you, have you done one yet? Did you, have you done like, reading? yeah, I did like a 29 hour reading of a new play, which, which worked to develop a new play kind of worked because yeah. you're, you know, working it out and that can be helpful. Uh huh. Yeah. They were wild to me though, because I actually, I actually was really enjoying it. Um, because it felt like a really cool intersection of theater and acting for the camera. And, you know, um, how you could make a play a little bit more intimate in a way and be a little bit creative with how, like I would, I brought my computer, you know, like into my closet and was like doing a scene in the closet. And then the next scene I was like literally on the toilet, you know, for, you know, this play. And it was really fun like that, be able to take 
my laptop around the house and like really do the play like for real and um, kind of have as much fun with it as as I could, Um, Mm -hmm. even though it was written for the stage to kind of find a way to translate it to be enjoyable Mm -hmm. and watchable for an internet audience uh, to Mm kind of keep it alive. I found really fun. But after my second one, (laughs) you know, it's not the same feeling as being in, you know, the room and really collaborating, like the energy um, that you have together. And also just, again, having my son to need me so much in this time period. It's hard to have him in the next room <laughs> and hear him like right. want me. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but, uh, but, uh, but I did, I did find joy in those two experiences, but it's, it's crazy different though. Than, um, it's a whole new art form in a way. Yeah. But yeah, but I hope it's keeping some theaters afloat and um, keeping interest coming in for those companies and uh Mm-hmm. I hope so. And developing new work too in this time period, like like you were. Yeah, I, I have to imagine that like so many things that we will be obsessed with and binge watching and cast albums that we love will be made during this time. Yeah. I hope. I actually, you might have auditioned for this too. There's a, There's been um, like a thing or two that have been written specifically for, you know, the COVID experience mm-hmm. that I've auditioned for. There was like a pilot that uh, a network was doing and um, it was to be all filmed remotely, um, you know, so they would literally like send you the production equipment and the camera and all this stuff. And you would basically film it yourself. And they're like, do you live with an actor? Like, do you, you know, do you have all this available? I thought that was pretty interesting how, how yeah. much our industry and the way of making content and media and TV shows could, could change, you know, um, right. pretty crazy. Who would have imagined that, you know, from December that you could be making a network TV show from your own home, filming it yourself. is just nuts. Nuts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the content is like more in demand right now than it ever has been. Like I've been watching television shows that I never thought I would watch. And so I can only imagine what it's like to be like a network and needing to create new content, but like you literally cannot create new content. So, so what do you do? Yeah. It's interesting. It is. I kind of want to back up a little bit because I want to like hear a little bit about your whole story. I mean, I know like bits and pieces of it, but I know that no one's path is the same but i think it's fun when we can like identify like certain things with oh yeah like i did i did that for me or that's like something that i always like resonated with that people can like kind of hear so Mm -hmm. i know you grew up in michigan Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and i kind of want to hear a little bit about like like how you got from michigan to i know you went to carnegie mellon and then how you got to new york and kind of like maybe like a brief history of like kind of how that how that all happened. Sure. And please edit the crap out of this for time. <laughs> uh, no, it's like interesting. I, <laughs> I love yeah. to hear it and people get really into it. It's cool to hear like social media has been so fun in conjunction with a podcast because people can like literally write right away the things that they respond to. And people love to hear about, you know, other people's paths and yeah. you know how they did it. So it's interesting. I mean, to go really all the way back, like, um, I grew up and I loved circus and I loved clowning and um, not like, you know, like birthday clowns. Like I, I, there were some clowns I grew up loving that were really looking back. I, I really think they were soulful and kind of artists in their own way. Um, there's a clown named Emma Kelly Jr. And like Lou Jacobs. And they kind of did these mini like scenes and they were in circus, but they, they had like a really, um, uh, they're just clowns with big heart. And there's kind of like a, um, a pathos to their their performances and um uh i found really beautiful i don't know for whatever reason i was really compelled as like a little kid so i was drawn to that but um from there uh i would beg my parents to take me to the theater i don't know why but i started to go and one time i saw kids on stage and i said to my parents like oh my god there's kids on stage how could i be part of that and um I have no idea why my parents let me do this, but I typed up a little like letter and I brought it to the box office of our, you know, little professional theater that was in Michigan that I went and saw like a Christmas Carol at when I was a kid and all those kids on stage. And I slid it through the little like box office, little, you know, slot, whatever, and just left it there. And for whatever reason they called me and that was, um, I came into audition the next year and that's how I like got my first equity like job. I, I was in that, you know, um, was cast in the, 
one of the kids' roles in A Christmas Carol, you know, in Michigan. So um, look at that. I know. That kind of reminds me of those stories, like, you know, when you hear like actors that are older than us say, like, well, I got my first Broadway show because I went and dropped my headshot off at the stage door. <laughs> and you're like, what? I know. How in what world did that ever work? I honestly work? think, like, I would check out all the performing arts. You know, the performing arts section back at the library, you know, like when you used to go to the library all the time, you'd yes. like wait for a new book to show up on the shelf from like the performing arts section. That was totally me. And I used to read all those books that were either applicable or not applicable. And I must have read stories like that because I literally <laughs> would take headshots and resumes with me to like, um, you know, like the touring houses in Michigan, like in Detroit, when a tour would come through and like there's kids in Les Mis. So I would literally bring my headshot and resume with me to like the Fisher Theater in Detroit and go knock on the stage door, <laughs> leave my little headshot and resume there. So it's just crazy. But, um, but yeah, it I, worked for you. Yeah. I mean, nothing came from that stuff, but <laughs> <laughs> but I was, you I was hustling. Christmas Carol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess that, yeah, that did. And then, yeah, so I, I, I did really start early. And um, my parents were definitely the opposite of any kind of stage parents and um, would really try to dissuade me from that. And uh, I think I just love taking classes. I just took classes and classes and improv classes and music classes and uh, was just deep into that and my parents supported that stuff and um yeah and I, I worked a little bit here and there which was crazy as a 11 year old you know and like I did the Joseph tour when I was 11 with like Donny Osmond and it was a funny thing to have Donny Osmond singing to your eyes every night you know <laughs> as an 11 year old <laughs> yeah but um but yeah then I, I I went to uh boarding school at Interlock and um Arts Academy which was a great experience. Um, but did you go for four years? No, I went for three years. I had, I was, I, I felt fully cooked after three years there and said, uh, actually I graduated early and, um, I, I did, a, a year where I interned at a, a theater in Michigan and worked in the, uh, the administrative offices and, uh, understudied and then performed in some roles too, before I went to Carnegie, which, Oh, cool. I, yeah, which to me, I also, I, I worked for um, Cirque du Soleil during that time a little bit too. Uh, oh, awesome. Yeah. But I, I, that year was really important to me because I learned so much about the inside workings of a theater, you know, outside of being an actor, which mm -hmm. I value so much to this day. Um, and just how seeing an actor is, you know, one little piece of the puzzle and also how it can find joy in so many of the other, you know, um, jobs or other positions and making you know theater come to life the, the joy that one can have in doing other things besides being on stage so um, mm -hmm. that was really a special time before i went to, to college totally and then you go to carnegie mellon which is like great school yeah and did you go for acting or musical theater <clears throat> um i went for acting but then when i got there uh they said, we know you can sing. Um, would you consider, you know, auditioning for musical theater too, like the first week that I got there? And so I did. I auditioned for musical theater and they invite me to join musical theater. And I and so the thing was, I wanted to do everything that an actor did. Um, so I did the full acting curriculum and then the musical theater stuff was all um, in addition to that. So that was important to me because I didn't want to trade anything out for a tap class. Um, I didn't want to, you know, lose you know, a styles or a classical text class for jazz three, you know, <laughs> whatever, just because you mean you're not doing like big tap dances nowadays. <laughs> I will say one of my first jobs getting out of school was tapping. So I'm thankful for basic, but um, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. That's good. yeah, but uh, yeah, so I was, a, I was a double major, um, which was great there. And honestly, so much of what I learned was from the people around me. Uh, I think, you know, schools are great, but each year, you know, as the people change, the school changes. And I was felt really blessed to have the people around me that were um, so talented and passionate and driven uh, beasts of the of the theater. <laughs> totally, totally. I, I can relate. I felt the same way. So many similarities. I also was like a kid actor. Were you like? in the Berkshires, like oh, did like all like the kid roles and the Neil Simon plays like kind of Austin I, like, Yonkers, Brighton Beach Memoirs, all those like great kids. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Lost in Yonkers was like my first show 
well, I guess a like I did like a Christmas story. That was like my first like paid show, but like uh, Lost in Yonkers was like my first equity show. And like, wow. that was like, so, and then I, um, those are juicy kids roles. Those are what the, the kids will bite you tooth and nail for those roles. Those are the ones. Yeah. yeah. And I thought Matthew Broderick was just like it because he had still, done all that stuff. Still kind of is. Um, and then I like went to Syracuse and did the same. Like I went for acting, but then ended up, I stayed in acting because like at, at my program, you couldn't as a musical theater major, like do that, all the mm -hmm. acting stuff. So I stayed as an actor and, and then like took all like the dance classes and the singing and stuff. And yeah. You know. So you get out of Carnegie Mellon and I feel like so many people probably listening, there's so many like early career actors, like you get out and it's, we were just talking before I hit record about just like that it is different now, like when we get out of school than it is now, but like, what does it look like for you for those first like few years? Like, what do you do? Did you get an agent from your showcase? Mm -hmm. um, you know, how did you kind of claw your way into through? Yeah. Um, I did have an agent and um, a manager and all that stuff right out of showcase, which was a little bit of a, I mean, just to speak honestly from where I was in this, this time period, it was a little bit of a, a scary thing a little bit because um, you are being advised from people who are at school about who might be the best fit for you when you don't necessarily know uh, you, you don't have a real connection to the business yet and you can't really, there's not really people to talk about, you know, who might be the best match out of a handful of people for you. So it felt a little bit scary to be making those really big adult choices coming to moving to a city and just um, starting this contractual relationship and putting your little baby career in the hands of somebody and not really knowing these people outside of, you know, one in-person meeting and maybe a, a follow-up phone call or something mm -hmm. um, was a little bit scary. But, and, and to speak to that, I, I did have the opportunity to work with, you know, great people, but they weren't the right people for me. And mm -hmm. those relationships ended like within a year, because <laughs> I don't think we had the same vision for what I was going to be doing. Um, because we were just talking about, I was musical theater major at school and, um, like I had a, a great role in our senior, you know, big musical and some agents came to see that at Carnegie. And so when they saw that, they're like, this guy is musical theater. This is what he does. And mm -hmm. um, this is what we're going to send him on. And so all I went on was musical theater auditions for, you know, my first year. And I kept saying like, yes, I can sing, but I really want to be doing this instead. I'd love to be doing Shakespeare. I'd love to be going in for plays and TV and film. And literally that, that was not happening at all. Um, I went for maybe, I, I, it was literally one um, TV audition in the whole first year of that. So um, that was my first experience, but I, I was blessed to have representation at all. And, um, mm -hmm. and it didn't, you know, work out. I think they were frustrated with me because I'm like, no, I don't want to go in for, you know, the swing in Tarzan, <laughs> like <laughs> go to their dance call, you know, from, you know, jumping from bungee cords or whatever to be in Tarzan. I just don't think that's me. It's not. I'm not, I'm not gonna be the best person there for that. It's just, I'm just, I wish I could, but I just, that's just not what I do. Um, so I saw Tarzan on Broadway <laughs> the day I auditioned for Syracuse, Did you? the school that I'm going to. And Josh Strickland uh -huh. got stuck right above my head. Like he swung, I feel like Disney was like very into this with like Mary Poppins. They, you know, like he, like Mary Poppins, like float through the yeah, audience. Yeah. That's what I, he like swung from the back of the house, like in like on a zip line. That was maybe, I think like maybe his first entrance. Uh -huh. He got stuck like right above my head and <laughs> they'd like stop the show. And it was so bad. And then like, he just starts talking to the audience, like in the way that like Josh Strickland does. And then it like just ruined the experience. Oh, wow. For everyone. Anyway, but yeah. that's what I think of when I think of Tarzan and I'm <laughs> that wasn't you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would have, of course I would love to have done something like that but yeah it's uh yeah i think it's just a little bit of when you first get to the city you know figuring out who you are in the midst of this hugely talented creative pool and just you know discovering what you can do because you know we're not fully cooked when we arrive to the city and you know maybe maybe there's things like i i don't think that i was a great dancer you know coming into the city but maybe if i take more classes and you know not underestimating what you can do too but also finding yourself a bit more and saying this is what i do best and you know, really trying to go after those jobs and those experiences to help you continue to grow.
Well, knowing what you've done, you have certainly done that. Um, <laughs> you know, like I, I know that it always feels like we're never, we've never done the thing that we, you know, we always want more, mm-hmm. but like objectively you are doing these um, heightened tech shows, you're doing television. So how does that start to happen? Like, you know, you, do you get new representation? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how do you, how do you kind of start like manifesting that? Well, or I guess how does, if you manifest it, how did it start to like actually happen? Yeah. For me, I really looked for ways I could be proactive to try to make it happen for myself, even though I did have representation. Um, I would go to all the open calls um, for shows, uh, for the things that I really wanted to be seen for, um, like Shakespeare plays, all that kind of thing. And I would do my monologue. You mean like EPAs for EPAs? Yeah. And um, even if I was, you know, just in midtown for something else and was just stopping by and was on the wait list, whatever, I would sit there and hang out. And I actually got a few jobs from that. One of my first plays I did off Broadway, I got that way, you know, just from a random open call. Um, There was a new play at the time. And uh, also a big thing that was really important for me was that I reached out to casting directors and wrote them letters saying, I'd love to be a reader for you. And so I became a reader for like, I remember for... um, there's a there's a Shakespeare company in St. Louis that does like an outdoor productions and I was the reader for them. And um, so when this relationship shift started to happen with my agent at the time, I reached out to that casting director and was like, hey, I really would love to be, you know, um, seen for these kinds of shows. And uh, could you recommend me to, to an agent or someone? Um, and they set up appointments for me to meet a couple agents. And that's how I got, you know, uh, my current agent um, who I've been with for. Gosh, like, I don't even know, 11 years, <laughs> something like that. Uh, That's so, great. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, I, I, I became a reader for a lot of people and just, you know, pounding on doors and writing letters and cover letters and doing those, you know, a little bit old school theatrical stuff still, you know, uh-huh. I just, I just kind of threw a lot of stuff at the wall. Yeah. And I love that you kind of like didn't abandon what you wanted to do. I think so many people... And I think like for me early on in the beginning, it was like the same way when I got out of school, I had this agent and it was like, I was going into like understudy Link Larkin in Kansas, do you know? And I, But I was like, I'll do anything for a job. It's how I feel a little bit in COVID right now. But like, but I, you know, I was like, I'll go, you know, I don't want to do that, but I guess like I will. And and then I was only in the city for a year before I ended up going to grad school to to like counteract all that musical theater that was that was on my resume because I did all that like NETC stuff and same like musicals you know in school and but I loved that you you didn't kind of like succumb to what people were telling you like oh you should do you know yeah, I think that that was I mean that was a big thing for me too was that growing up I just I really wanted to be just an actor who worked just if I could work nonstop in theater and regional theater, whatever, that was like what I would think would be heaven as like a, you know, teenager. I just, that's what really what I wanted to do. And so when I got to the city, I really like what you're saying. I was just so hungry to work. I, I would, I would really take anything and just, I would love it though. I, I enjoyed doing all that stuff. Uh, I was, I understudied a lot, you know, when I first got to the city for a couple off Broadway shows and, you know, um, did a lot of regional, you know, things. Uh, and just, I, I really loved keeping busy and doing a variety of things. That was something else I really loved too. It was like, I, what I said before, I did like, you know, crazy for you. I did a tap dance musical, you know, was one of my first things out of school at North shore. And then, you know, I did Greece at the Muni and then, you know, I do Shakespeare at Utah Shakespeare or something, you know, but just really like, um, I did like a, a rap off opera off Broadway. Like there was all these like completely random things which made no sense at the time. But I really loved, you know, just continuing to try to stretch myself. And in a way, it was kind of my grad school um, mm-hmm. by really um, saying, can I do this? Can I do a rap opera <laughs> and be able to sell it, you know, and um, pushing myself in that way. But what, what you're talking about, there did come a point where a friend uh, a casting director who became a bit of a friend, he sat down with me and was like, I think maybe you should take some of these things off your resume because when I'm pitching you after you do a great audition in the room and you have Grease on there or you have Crazy for You and you're up for this really serious role in this this great play, 
people are confused about who you are. So there did come to a point where it felt like I should strategically omit some of that stuff from my resume, which I still feel kind of conflicted about because I love that variety. And, yes, you know, and I, I think that's really awesome that actors do that and that we can be chameleons and that we studied to do that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But I also understand there's people in the business who, you know, it's hard for them to see that and they want to see it's they don't want an actor. They want the person in front of them, mm-hmm. the person who is the role instead of an actor who can play that person. So it's a, it's a tricky line. I mean, what, how did, did you have to shape your resume too in that kind of way? Yeah, and I still think about it today because like, you know, there are things like Tony and West Side Story and Jamie in the last five years that like I'm so proud of and I like don't want to take those off my resume, you know? So like I always leave like one musical theater role like kind of at the bottom. So like people kind of are like, oh, you know, like. Um, oh, that's interesting, yeah. So, so, so people will be like, oh, he did that or, you know, but it's hard because, you know, yes, I want to be doing plays and television, but do I love musical theater? And am I proud of like what I did? Yeah, sure. But it is sad to think about um, that you kind of have to change your, I, I guess a resume is like a story. It makes sense to me. It totally makes sense to me. Like why, why we do that and why we how you format a resume and put things where you put them and take things off. It's like, you're like, you're pitching yourself or something. So it makes sense to me, but, um, but yeah, the same person I think told me to do the same thing. So, (laughs) and, and guess what? It was helpful because, um, yeah, as a reader, like I too think that being a reader is literally the best thing you can do. And, like I've said this before on the podcast, but like if you can be a reader, absolutely do that because it's the best education you can get in auditioning. And you meet so many people, like you meet so many directors, you meet so many casting directors. I got my first television job on a Hulu show because I was the reader for the show, you know? And then they were like, great, like have him come in and like do this thing. And then once you get one television job, like it's easier to get other ones because then you've like, you know, you've done something. So it's so important, but like more so than just getting jobs, it's like the best education and you meet people. And that's what like, I loved, you know, about, I don't want people to graduate and think like, oh, you know, I'm not going to do all these things and I'm not going to understudy because I don't want to do that. It's like a lot of the time, like those early jobs, you're meeting so many people, you know, and a lot of those people that were on stage with you in those early jobs turn into huge casting directors. They turn into huge directors and it's so important to like kind of be saying yes to a lot of things early on. I, think. I, I yeah, th- that's one thing that I go back every year um, and help with the Carnegie Showcase. And uh, there's like after they all get the results, um, I'll have like um, a, a grad, um, a, a senior or two who I kind of comb through all the results with, and we talk about things and what kind of their career, what they want it to be, and just what they envision for themselves. And that's one thing. When I hear that, it makes me really frustrated about people being like, I don't want to do theater or I don't want to understudy or um, that, that can be frustrating to me because I think there is so much value in all of that. And um, I, 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 and I'm thankful so much for those experiences because I think those have shaped me to be, you know, who I am now and to appreciate the other sides. And I got to direct, I directed my first play last year um which congratulations thank you but seeing all the other sides of the business and and living through it and not being you know the top person on the totem pole gives you such a better understanding um truly and people say that but you know you really have to live it i think to to know it um yeah and also just about being a reader thing too um i feel like a lot of people are really shy sometimes about who they can reach out to and say, can I be a reader for you? Or, you know, they feel like maybe they're just a little bit intimidated by some of the casting directors. And I just would say, do not be intimidated and, you know, send them a letter or, you know, if you can find online some way that they prefer to be contacted, but if not send a letter um, and just really be bold with that. Uh, Cause even, I'm sure you, you know, as you're saying, you were a reader for a TV show. Like I was a reader for a couple of networks when I came in and, 
being in those rooms and I think they're always hungry for, for people and to, to teach them a little bit too, and to show them the ropes and say, did you see that in this audition? This person did that, this and that, and that was really great. Or did you see that? Never do that. And their tapes going, you know, in the, the recycle bin right now because of that and yeah. just invaluable and just to not be intimidated because some of those people, you know, that we think are the top casting directors are really just so welcoming and they want to help you, um, you know, get into the business. And so don't be intimidated by them. Yeah. And it's the best way to learn and it's the best people to be learning from. Yeah. Cause they're doing it and they're casting it. <laughs> you know, talking about television, um, you know, for someone like you, which I can relate to that theater was just like it. I mean, like, you know, wanting to be a working actor in regional theater and doing like stuff in New York and just would have made you so happy. Like when did, when did television like, enter the picture for you as something, you know, I'm sure you probably were, were always like, oh yeah, I should do television because it pays. But, you know, when did it become something that you were like excited about and became like very in focus, like a in focus thing for you? Like, you know, I guess like what was your path to, to finding your way into film and television, like logistically, but also like passionately and artistically? I think I got, it just, it, it happened really in a, um, I hate saying lucky, but I had, I, my path crossed with someone who was really loving and saw something in me and really someone who really believed in me. And for that, I really feel very lucky, truly. Um, at the time I, I'd done like a, like a law and order and I'd done, like in all my children and those felt, you know, like when you first get your first couple like TV, like maybe a guest star thing, it feels a little bit like, oh God, I got this job and it's great. And I have three or four scenes. And, but you know, like later you're like, oh God, was it a fluke? Was I, you know, am I really, <laughs> am I really ready to do TV? Do I know what the hell's going on? You know, that kind of thing. Um, so I'd done a couple of like guest star things, but I was, I went in audition for a film. It was right around, um, just before I met you, oh gosh, the year before, which is crazy. But uh, when Prince William was marrying um, Catherine and uh, I just went in for an audition. They were seeing people in um, New York and London and L.A. And I auditioned for Prince William. And I just went into it was actually the Law and Order casting offices. And I just made a tape with the casting director and I never expected to hear anything again. And the next thing I know, I had a callback and made another tape, the casting director, and then didn't hear anything again for a good, you know, couple of weeks. And then I had a, all of a sudden I had a chemistry test with the woman who they were going to uh, cast as Kate. And um, so I went in to their office in New York and she was actually um, from part of the Royal family in England, this, this actress. So it was kind of cool. Um, and so, yeah, and there was a bunch of guys there and we had chemistry reads and I knew they were doing them in other places too. And for whatever reason, this director, who's really become a great friend of mine now, um, she really just felt like I was her person from the beginning and she fought for me to have this this role. So I played Prince William in this film about William and Catherine. And that was when TV and film became like a real career thing for me because all of a sudden I was number one on the call sheet and I was being, you know, flown to Europe and, you know, Victor Garber was in it and you know, like Gene Smart and Jane Alexander. So there's like Emmy winners and Golden Globe winners. And, you know, all of a sudden I'm in every scene, you know, in this film and having to figure out what the hell I'm really doing. Cause all I'd ever done was like, you know, a couple of guest stars and uh, mm -hmm. you're in a different country and a lot of the crew didn't speak English. Um, so, you know, you're learning how filmmaking even works. Where did you film it? Uh, we filmed most of it. And, uh, there's a, they, they got, um, a palace, an actual palace in Romania. Um, so we filmed in this palace in Romania and, uh, we also were in London too, but mostly in Romania. Um, so that was a crazy experience to be locked over there with all those people, like hanging out with Victor Garber, you know? <laughs> <laughs> having dinner with Victor, you know, with Victor Garber. So, yeah, I know, I know he's a sweet, but, uh, but that was trial by fire. And, um, that was a huge opportunity, which led to other things for me. And, uh, looking back, I, I, it's just, you never know when something's going to happen for you. I mean, I'm not English. I'm not, I'm, I'm from, you know, suburban Detroit and 
nothing to do with the royal family, but for some reason that just connected and it worked for me. And I would have never guessed it, you know, um, going into that audition process. So it makes me so happy that you got a role as a Brit over a Brit because I feel like the Brits get roles as Americans over us and it like pisses me off. I so. know, I know, I know, I know. Oh, I know, I know. I'm, I'm like exempt from complaining about it because <laughs> because I got one on them. I got one on them. Exactly, exactly. You're fighting the fight. <laughs> yeah. So t- that happens and that was like, very, very exciting. And it led to lots of other things. And then you ended up doing a lot of other television and you did Younger, which was super, super exciting. And so I remember you, like you talked to me a little bit about like how Younger happened, but um, I think it would just probably be cool to maybe share that. Yeah. Was was, was it just like a cold audition or? Completely, completely cold. It was uh, the one thing that doing the the Prince William film, the change for me was that I did suddenly get to bypass some of the, like the pre-screen kind of stuff for auditions Mm -hmm. where um, people could see, you know, footage of me. And so they, they, they would know me a little bit. And so um, for that audition, I was doing, I was actually doing a play at the time um, and I was coming from tech rehearsal and I was, so I was the last appointment of their day for younger, um, for the pilot. And, um, it was to go meet Darren star directly. And it was, you know, just, that was my first audition and meeting him. Um, and it was pouring rain. I came from this tech rehearsal. I was late. I was stuck in a cab and I was calling my agent being like, I'm going to be late. I'm so sorry. And they were like, they went and called and they're like, he's going to wait for you. <laughs> and this is, this is Darren star. If people don't know who's like created sex in the city and like Melrose place, 90210. And, you know, is this, this legend. And I absolutely, you know, loved him so much. Um, but anyway, so I show up and I was literally wet <laughs> from this, but he, we got along super well and we just, he had me do the scene like 20 times that was, um, this pilot, uh, for younger. And, um, yeah, then once again, I didn't hear anything for like a month and then all of a sudden I found out I got it. So that was it. It was just this one audition with Darren and, and I got younger. And I mean, I would have thought it was long dead by then because you don't hear a thing for, for so long. Yeah. Yeah. But um, that's such a difference from theater. You, you like never know when who's watching tapes, when they're watching tapes. Yeah, I know. Yeah. 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 Um, and it's also so many people that the tapes get passed around to that I guess I didn't realize for a long time, too, because I, I was out in L.A. for something else. And um I was I was in a meeting with people and like, oh, we, we remember your younger tape. We we were the ones who told Darren, this is the guy for you. And I was like, I really I, I didn't even I never even, you know, met you before. I never knew, knew yeah. you at all. And it's like it's just amazing how how many people have to sign off on, you know, casting for a project like, you know, um, a TV show that's going to be up and running for years. You know, so, yeah, it's different. I know it's so it just feels so different because with theater it's just so who's in the room and you know right. yeah it's why theater is going to take longer to recover because it's so <laughs> more about being in the room with someone and seeing people and talking to them and you know all that yeah before we conclude i mean like i could keep talking to you about everything forever and um maybe we'll do dan 2.0 but um <laughs> but you know the thing that i've kind of been asking a few people that's been really helpful even for me and like I think for others is what what do you think you wish you knew about the business specifically like when you were getting out of Carnegie Mellon maybe like you're 21 22 23 that um that you know now and that you probably wish you could have told yourself um I think one thing that I, for whatever reason, it's just always been my DNA is a little bit of the hustle. And I think when we go to, if you, like you went to Syracuse and you got your MFA from, you know, the old globe and you had this, this amazing pedigree. And, um, sometimes when people come out of these great programs, you feel like maybe the business will open for you or come to you in some way. Um, and I really think that's, seldom the case in the business and it's a lot about hustle so Mm -hmm. for me for whatever reason i never felt like 
I was the most talented person in the room. Even, mm -hmm. you know, in, in high school, even before I went to Interlock, and there was amazing people in my theater program and my, my regular high school who've gone off and done incredible things too. But Interlock and Carnegie Mellon, um, getting to New York, I've, I've never really felt like, you know, I, I don't know if anyone, I guess, does, but like I am the most talented person. I'm the most whatever. It's all to me. I've always felt like I need to really hustle to get jobs and to get seen. Um, and so what I, I think I would, would have reassured myself that it's, it's not that you're not talented, but there's so many talented people out there and that you really have to fight for what you want and make what you want known and go about it in um, a constructive and positive way. Um, and to not have expectations of the business opening for you, um, in a way and to really just to go after it and find new ways to do that um, by connecting with people. And it is so much about relationships and not in a gross way, but just if you've had a positive experience, you know, working like for me, like uh, it was my first time uh, I directed this play off Broadway last year. And um, there's three people in the cast and um, two of the three people I had worked with as an actor before. And, and I went to them because I knew how talented they were, how amazing they were to play off of each other, what they were like backstage, you know, the, how, how great they were and, um, bringing like, um, it, it was a new play. So how their thoughts and how intelligent they were and how much they could bring to the play outside of just their time on stage. And so I went to those people because, and I said, will you please do this for me? Because, because I, I love them so much. And it was about those relationships and, um, and so just to keep that in mind, too, when you're you're thinking through jobs and opportunities that it's, you know, you don't have to to uh, it doesn't have to be your dream job from the start, that it's a uh, growing and a growth process and building those relationships. Um, the other thing I would say, too, which we haven't really talked about, but just like I'm now an out gay actor and I see such a huge difference from when I came out into the business, when I came out and graduated school in 2006, I was advised very much to be in the closet and to keep my personal life very private and under wraps by managers, by casting directors. And there was very kind of like um, language that felt degrading at the time to me. And it really made me self-conscious. And what really makes me hopeful now and uh, feel really positive about where the business is heading is, you know, every year I've gone back, I, I said to, to help with the showcase at Carnegie, and I see people who are so much more free to show themselves as who they are. And they don't have that stigma and baggage about how they present themselves. And I've even seen, you know, straight actors doing gay roles for the showcase material. And I'm like, wow, that is, that's like an, a really cool choice. And, you know, because gay actors would have been petrified to portray themselves and to see, to limit themselves, you know, in quotes as, as being gay. Um, so for me, that makes me really happy. And to just, I want to encourage people, the young folks coming out into the business, that there is a place for you and that your authenticity, you know, um, will really attract people and bring roles to you um, that will be meaningful to you. Um, and people will find you because of you being authentic to yourself. hundred percent. And I feel like it was the same. It was, I had a very similar experience and I, it was like, as soon as I was like having a block as an actor, like I was like, there was, I was always like putting on this veneer cause I didn't want to like come off gay in the audition or, you know, ever so I wasn't like tapping into all the things that I can use to be, to be like a living, breathing human being on the stage. And so I wasn't, um, I wasn't doing my best work and I wasn't doing like great work. And then as soon as I let that go, and as soon as, you know, it was like, well, it's not about putting something in front so that they can't see who I actually am. It's like, it's more about, okay, if I'm playing a part, let me just show you like how I'm going to play the part. And if the character is not gay, then the character is not gay. You know, it doesn't become about like filtering through my mm -hmm. performance through something. It becomes much more of like this give and take and, and like being an artist, which is 
like what we are and it like released a like a like a talent like avalanche i mean no not for me like not a talent but like no, <laughs> but like just so much more feeling like i can do like be who i am and like it's it's huge it's huge and hearing you say that is just so important so yeah yeah i i i agree and um and it's it's interesting because I've also the truth of the, the matter is where we are in the business. I, I, I have seen some relationships with relationships with casting directors change in a way, which is interesting, you know. Mm-hmm. To, um, but I feel a little bit like what what I was saying that, that I'm okay with that now. Like I'm okay with like uh missing out on some of those jobs because it's not worth the sacrifice of stifling yourself and you know i felt the same way of putting the filter on of who this character who this these words on the page you know could be in in the flesh and in me and uh removing that filter i think is so freeing and creates much more exciting work so i I agree (laughs) <laughs> totally. I had an experience where I went to see the Syracuse showcase, I think it was two years ago, and two students were doing a scene from a play that I originated off Broadway in New York about two gay actors. And they were doing it in the Syracuse oh, showcase. Wow. And one of them was straight. And I remember thinking, like, even in my grad school showcase, I didn't want to do a gay scene, you know, in 2014. Yeah. And just like seeing like not only like a straight, a gay person do it and like feel comfortable with doing it, but also that like a straight actor was, um, was doing the scene and like loved it and like being there and watching it and being like, I literally wrote those words. Do you know, it was such a cool, um, freeing thing that I feel like, um, it's a small step in the right direction, you know, uh, for for the reason. Yeah. It was really special. So, although I've never, no, I've only played, I think one gay character. I really would love to play gay characters, but it was funny for a while there, there was the time where, uh, I would get, I would be asked to be seen for, I knew there was like a gay role coming out and something. I'd be like, I really want to be seen for this. And the casting directors be like, no, he's not the right type. And I'm like, no, wait, no, I promise. <laughs> I'm so the type. I promise. I'm the type. Uh, <laughs> I promise you. <laughs> I know what to do. Yeah. Anyway all heading in a good direction now. Yeah. I'm so happy you brought that up and I'm so happy we just um like hit the top of the iceberg with that. Yeah. It's uh, it's important and it's so important to have people like you talking about this and saying it and um being transparent like on social media about what your life is like and being like a wonderful father with your husband. Aww. It's just like so important. I mean, it's um you're inspiring to me, but also like imagine when we were in high school and doing lost in Yonkers to like be seeing like someone like you on social media, putting, you know, their life, um, letting people into their life a little bit and seeing how positive and, and, you know, how much better and easier, not easier, but much more that there's a place for people to be themselves and to still have like, a happy quote unquote traditional lifestyle, um, regardless of your career or sexual orientation is it's super special. Cause uh, I think for me, it would have been life changing to, to see, to see that. So thank you for that. Yeah. That's, that was, that's, that's, uh, social media is a tricky beast. And I, you know, kind of go back and forth with what to put on there. But to me, that is the reason, you know, uh, let's go, too deep and crazy, but you know, I came out when I was to my family when I was 13 and, uh, I just, I remember being in such a dark place. It was a really dark place. We're feeling like there was, was there a future for me? And I couldn't imagine, I couldn't see it. I couldn't ever, you know, it was very hard to imagine a a year from then. And so by putting, you know, those kinds of things out there now, I really hope that it does do what you say, maybe, you know, to, to someone who, um, can you know visualize something for themselves that's that's happier and <laughs> lighter and brighter and fulfilling and loving um mm-hmm. reason to, to put it out there um very much yeah i wish we had more of those you know growing up it's, it was sad to me because you know, i idolized so many of those gay characters like um in films and then there was always a little bit of sadness to me when i realized there were straight actors playing 
a lot of these gay roles, you know, like, um, I don't even know, like Paul Rudd, an object of my affection or, you know, uh, uh-huh. whatever these, these roles. Um, so for me to have out gay actors out there who are saying, you know, happiness is possible and family is possible and, uh, yeah, um, a, not a normal life, but, a a fulfilling life is possible. So it's, is a reason to, to put it out there maybe. Yeah. And that fight for like more gay actors getting to play those roles. Yeah. Is, in, we are fighting that fight. It's so tricky. Um, it's so tricky, but yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, gosh, Dan, I could just sit here I, for a lot longer. I'm just so happy to like catch up with you and talk to you. And I mean, like the blessing of this podcast has been like getting to like connect with people that are far away and you know that we were able to have these conversations and so happy that we were able to connect and that you were able to share uh so much this conversation was so so wonderful so i so appreciate it and i know that uh, the listeners will too oh well thank you for creating the space and for inviting me i'm delighted totally to see we'll do it again someday <laughs> for sure bye For more information on the podcast and our guests, visit thebreakdownpodcast.com and connect with us. Let us know you're listening on Facebook and Instagram at The Breakdown with Robbie. And again, if you like what you heard, help spread the word and make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this. Thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for another episode of The Breakdown. Ah!